BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis, joined by Jacqueline Coley, my incredible co-host. We have an amazing guest, the star of Always Lola, Candace Cruz is Thank here. Thank you. And this is just a really exciting, it's it's a big, big day for me because this movie, I feel like should have won every Oscar the year it came out. <laughs> Jacqueline, you're in the midst of award season. Yeah. This is like your prime thing. You have the podcast where you talk about the award stuff going on. Yes. What's the latest, what was the last event you were at? Last night, we were at the Governor's Awards, which I think if that I That sounds w- important. It does. This is where they give out the honorary Oscars. And as much as I was happy to be in the room with the cast of The Color Purple as Angela Bassett put a sermon on the mount, finally, you know, getting wronged for the egregiousness (laughs) that was 1993's Was Love Got to Do With It when she lost to Holly Hunter, when Holly Hunter should have won for The Firm because that was the better performance in the year. But do I say this is something that's maybe my Roman Empire? No. What was great for me... So you had a good time. <laughs> yeah. What was great for me was that it was Mel Brooks. And it was one of those ones where I was like, I wish I could have given Mark a plus one. Because, Mel Brooks was there. Yeah, Mel Brooks was there. And I think John Mulaney hosted just so he could be up on stage <laughs> to make Mel Brooks laugh. So that was like a, a really a great moment. It's It's been an up and down week for comedians at award shows. Mm-hmm. But John Mulaney credited <laughs> y'all's side. Like credited credit to y'all's side on that one because yeah. y'all needed a win after Sunday. I, I fi- <laughs> So the Golden Globes were on Sunday. Yeah. Candace, do you watch the award stuff? Like do you get swept up in this? Uh, you're, you're an actor, you're a performer. Do you get swept yeah. up in the award side of things too? I do. I love the award side of things. I, first of all, I love the pomp and circumstance circumstance of it all. I think that that is like America's version of royalty to some capacity that we have. Once a year, we get to see everyone get dressed up. There's something about the glamour and just, I've gotten to go to a handful of the award shows and be on the carpets next to these people. And there, it's just you remember back in the day where celebrity was celebrity yeah. and you see someone <laughs> and you yeah. just are just starstruck, Mm. there is that energy that's there. Yeah. Whether you're just, like, hanging out with your friends or you're seeing, like, J-Lo and the Brie Larson situation where she, like, had her moment. Yeah. And so I think that there's something about award season that is just so exciting and just, for anyone that doesn't even prescribe to all the movies and everything else, to see someone work so hard to get an award and to see that, like, relief and just excitement, I think, is what I love so much about all of it. I, look at you, making yeah. my profession feel less useless than I do it's every not. day. Oh, you're, it's not you're at all, doing because we bring work. joy to so many people. I've, I've, Honestly, you have just, like, re-energized me. Can yes. you come to my therapy <laughs> session? Please, um, let me know. Next time I'll be there. Every day I'm just like, what do I do? I just go drink champagne and pretend people care. 
You're in the thick of the playoffs um, for your season. And then your football team also happens to be in the playoffs this coming weekend as of this recording. So it's it's a big, big time for Jacqueline Coley right now. And I'm just I'm I'm so tickled pink that you took time out of your busy schedule (laughs) to join us here on Rotten Tomatoes alongside Candace, who has become like our our go to action movie correspondent. I I, I hope you're okay with that title. I love that. Yeah, because the last one you were here for was Was Gerard Butler. That's Olympus has fallen. fallen. And then like later that week. Candace and I were texting each other, and we're like, "You're watching London is Fall now, right?" Yeah. It's, it's like we, yeah. so we we kind of like did our own trilogy view, and we so did. for this movie, which is 13 hours, directed oh, by it Michael felt like Bay, 13 the, hours. You have to put a little bit more respect hours on Michael Bay's name. Michael Bay presents Michael Bay, who hours. has his own boulevard on the Paramount lot. Yeah, Michael Bay directs and presents 13 hours. The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi first mm-hmm. came out in 2016. And it's a film that is based on a true story, a harrowing true story of survival, of just trying to get through the night, of trying to be, uh, trying to step up and do the right thing in the face of adversity. A lot of political intrigue around this story, but at its core, it's about these soldiers and just them putting their lives on the line over this, the course of this 13 hour, not to be confused with 13 days, which is also a political war intrigue kind of movie starring Kevin Costner about the Bay of Pigs. That's right. Which I also did rewatch this past week just because it's got 13 in it and it's like, you know, it's the Bay of Pigs. It's all it's right. Benghazi. So I've been doing a lot of, and this is all on the heels of Netflix had a like, it like restored footage in color World War II documentary that came out right oh, before Christmas. That. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. Oh. The footage is on. Believable. I haven't seen this one. Say all that either. to say, I'm a pretty big fan of this stuff, right? Whether it's uh, you, you're you're doing a narrative with a war movie or it's like an actual documentary, like, and I think I'm 43, so I'm getting to that age where this is just what my personality is now. I just like to sit at home with a dog and watch war movies or war <laughs> documentaries, and that's pretty much all I do with my evenings. So this movie, I'm I'm so excited to get y'all's take on it because I openly gushed about this movie when it was released in 2016. Back when Christian and I were doing schmoes, no, this got the coveted five out of five schmoes from Mark Els, which I did not give out a lot. And uh, I heard from some fans that this was their this was their kind of barometer for any movie that I did not give five out of five schmoes to after this. Like the fans would comment on YouTube and say like, oh, well, it's not as good as 13 hours. I'm like, you can't do that. Like it's, you know, they can, though. And this is your Roman Empire. This, this is, is it. Yeah. Like, you have to think about this anytime you love a movie. Is it as good as 13 hours? I, <laughs> That's your threshold right there. And I might Sorry. be on this island by myself because it's 51% rotten. It is mm-hmm. 82% with the audience score. Yeah. Right. So we'll go around the room and get everybody's take before we turn it over to uh, Tim Ryan, our good buddy, who's going to be telling us what the critics were saying at the time of the film's release. But I want to give a huge shout out because on the website, RodTomatoes.com right now, you can check out our, edit- our editors do such great work. We have Michael Bo- Bay movies ranked by Tomato Meter. Michael Bay, he's a big name. Everybody has seen the Transformers movies. On the Tomato Meter, not the highest. Yeah. You know, it, he's got 68% as his number one movie, which is Ambulance from right. last year or yes. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now. So that's 68%. The Rock from 96, which yep. I think is maybe the best action movie of the 90s, mm-hmm. is 67%. And then 13 Hours is number four, but it's still 51% rotten. And if you wanted to guess what Michael Bay's lowest rated on the Tomato Meter movie is, yes, it's a Transformer, and it's The Last Night. 
Mark Deservedly Wahlberg. so. Mm-hmm. But how many mm-hmm. billions? Like, like, do we know how many billions Michael Bay has? Brian, look that up. Because uh, I would tell you that— Tens and tens and tens. I don't think I care about the tomato meter score when you <laughs> right, literally when have the dollars. GDP of a small <laughs> economy worth of box office receipts. Mm-hmm. And people, you can't just, you're, you don't hate the Transformers movies, right? No. You're, you're in on those? I love those. Okay. I mean, granted, if we're talking about, like, substance of them, that's a whole other conversation. Right, right. But— the OG Transformers, Shia LaBeouf and yeah. Megan Fox, like, Definitely. come on. Definitely. Like, at least give the first one its, like, award to that. I still Everything else, like, I agree with the Transformers last night. Like, that one, I, I didn't even get all the way through. No, I, I, I couldn't. I, I, I don't think I used my pass where I can leave a movie early once a year on that one, but I kind of wanted to. Yeah, but, only but, once but, a year. Only once a year. Only once a year. But so you I, sit through movies that you're just like, I've only used my past once. I, I have to sit through That's this. the solemn Hippocratic oath that I took a <laughs> long time ago. I have to sit here and get through this thing. So the first couple of Transformers, like I love the Camaro. Anytime mm. I still see a yellow Camaro on the highway, I'm like, yes. ah, it could be Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yeah. It could be Bumblebee. So let's, uh, l- let's get into 13 Hours. Jacqueline, do you want to give us a little... No. Ketchup <laughs> of what this movie is about? I can. I definitely can. Okay. I don't want to give a ketchup on what this movie is about. So 13 Hours tells the story of the Benghazi assault in Libya and basically the idea that there was an assault happening due to a an, uh, a Muslim cartoon that sparked violence, supposedly, but also there may have been some civil unrest that was happening there. And this team of soldiers who were nearby, they really weren't even the guys that were supposed to be on the mission. They get the call and they say, you got to get to Benghazi. Stuff's about to go down. It's about to get real. Very Michael Bay in that. Mm -hmm. And so these group of guys, uh, many of whom were just trying to get home, like they were supposed to be heading back home, but they got to do this one last job. And it is literally one of those covert missions. Getting into the country was difficult. Getting to the embassy was difficult. And then also trying to secure the ambassador and trying to make sure there was as little zero loss of life. This is very much a zero dark 30, but as if everybody knew that it was happening at the same time. And Mm -hmm. so we sort of follow this team as they attempt to, you know, secure the area. They're they're dealing with people back in command lying to them. They've got the whole sort of like, you know, the one soldier who's like, I know what's about to go down. And then, of course, John Krasinski is in it. There is a big loss of life, spoiler alert, but we sort of follow them and see who exactly is going to make it home and who's going to get saved. And this is just an excuse to just blow up for two and a half hours. John Krasinski, you have Pablo Schreiber. There you go, Mm -hmm. Pablo Schreiber. Uh, And John Krasinski, fresh off the cover of Men's Health, John Krasinski, I might add. This is not the doughy Jim from The Office. I can't wait to talk about that, too. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. you, you, because you have, like, Pablo and you have, like, James Badge Dale. And, like, these are mm-hmm. kind of guys that we've come to know as, like, you could, you're just good at playing a tough guy. Yeah. yeah. Krasinski, we didn't know he had this gear. So we'll talk about that once we get into yeah. movie talk. For right now, Candace, you're our esteemed guest. Um, you have the movie Always Lola that is now streaming everywhere, which is so exciting. And it's doing great. It's well, doing gonzo you. numbers on all the platforms. Um, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? With the 51% attributed on the tomato meter. Can I do a halfway here? (laughs) I I was honestly thinking about this again this morning. I've been reviewing it. I'm like, do I agree with it? I would say they're wrong, but I feel like it needs to be halfway between the audience score and the rotten. It doesn't need that much more. Okay. But I do believe that it needed a little bit more than 51 just on the storyline and all of the historical elements of it and what actually happened. Because as for action part, keep it at the 51. Mm -hmm. Uh, Solid on the 51. But like the heart of it, like when you got to the end and I'll 
we can obviously dive into that more. But I think slightly more, but not much. Okay. All right. So maybe maybe we're, we're getting into fresh territory with you. Maybe Ish. we're fresh, fresh adjacent. Fresh adjacent. Like 59.9%. Sure. We'll give it that. There we go. I like that. We're fresh adjacent. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jacqueline, how does one feel about La Tomato Meter? So this is, um, we're in 2024 now. And I think I need to take a different approach to Rotten Tomatoes is wrongly. We've done a few episodes. And I think (laughs) I want to now say that Rotten Tomatoes is right in both. I think the audience score is a direct reflection of what it feels like to watch this movie because Mm. I actually did watch it at my desk. I'm sitting there typing awards predictions (laughs) and this is playing in the background. And I was like distracted from like my my job to be like, no, look at John, look at this. Not a movie I'd recommend putting on in the background like when you're doing the dishes. (laughs) But it was one of those things where I was like, I was was finding myself, it's very watchable. It's very audience driven. I would have liked to have seen this with a crowd. But any sort of critical thinking around everything that is happening. You're like, this is a fantasy. Like, this did not happen this way. I know it didn't happen this way. And I know that this movie is meant to make me think that it happened this way. (laughs) And so that gives me the like, like 50% of the people will be fooled by this movie into being like, America. Mm -hmm. And like the rest of them will be like, this is ridiculousness. Like, this is not real. Um, That many white men in that country, like you're a walking red flag. Like they know where you are. This is like the suspension of disbelief that we have to believe that James Bond could be an effective spy after you weren't fighting Russians. Too good Wait, looking to be a spy. That he can't be? I mean, Wait, seriously. What? What? I mean, James Bond now looks like he Hassan He closes Minaj. down the bar yes. every night. He's gambling into the wee hours of the morning. Yeah. He's strikingly handsome. Strikingly. And, and has no compunction about having sex with random women at, at all, all ports of call. Spreading that seed yep. all over the world. The idea of that dude not being anything but a walking STD and a... <laughs> Body bag is just laughable in modern things. Like the the you know super uber spy now looks like Hassan Minaj or like or oh, yes. or better yet probably Rami Malek because you want somebody with like a shorter uh, stature that can just like sneak in. Mm-hmm. You know that that's what he I'm just saying. plays so, a villain instead. So I actually say Rotten Tomatoes is right in the sense that like how much fun I had is like an 82 percent certified fresh blast, but this is ridiculous. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. This is a hell of an action movie from start to finish. I and like that you got to own it. There's a lot of political. Uh, you you can look at the the failings around uh, our leadership and and around the world as far as like how this situation actually came to pass. But mm-hmm. if you're just looking at a setup where you basically have like a diplomatic, you like you have an embassy and then you have a CIA annex, and those are your two buildings that we're talking about in this mm-hmm. movie, and we are under attack really at both of them. And we have this small team that is just going to try to do everything that they can over this night, not only to survive it themselves, but to rescue people. That is the movie. Then that's the story that we're telling. I thought it did a incredible job of just being a kick-ass action movie with a lot of heart that you're talking about, Candace, where it's yeah. not just the, the whiz-bang explosions of it. It's actually the heart that you feel underneath it mm-hmm. and what you're, you're rooting for these guys to pull through. So I think that Rotten Tomatoes got this wrong. I think the audience is correct at 82%. I might even bump it a little higher because it's just Ooh. such a well-made action movie. Now we turn it over to Tim Ryan. So he's our good buddy. He's our correspondent here who does all of the review curation management at Rotten Tomatoes. He's great at it. And he is going to tell us what the critics were saying at the time. Which I think I was a critic on Rotten Tomatoes at this time. So what were the other critics saying about 13 hours back in 2016? Here's Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. It might have been something of a flashpoint in the red state, blue state divide, but 13 hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi was probably more discussed and debated than it was actually seen. 
It had the worst box office performance for any Michael Bay film. And to be fair, there are a number of factors at play here, including the fact that the movie was not attached to a franchise. And it didn't promise the kind of bombastic good time that usually draws people to Michael Bay movies. But it's indisputable that 13 Hours fared far worse with moviegoers than the likes of American Sniper and Lone Survivor, two other gritty war films that were sizable commercial hits and fared well with the critics. They're both certified fresh. And with the critics, 13 Hours was genuinely divisive, with a number of reviewers feeling the film suffered from simplistic politics and tough-to-follow action, while others admired both its largely sober tone and evocative, visceral feeling for its setting. 13 Hours is rotten at 51% on the tomato meter with 225 reviews, and it has an 82% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Kevin P. Sullivan of Entertainment Weekly wrote, Bay works best with chaos. There's no shortage of that here. It's getting from firefight to firefight that's the problem, lending the film a video game-like structure that grows repetitive in the back half. However, in a fresh review, Will Leach of The New Republic wrote, Bay may lack interest in basic story construction or coherent battle scenes, but the guy has a preternatural skill at evoking sensation. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi is a comparatively mature and restrained effort from Michael Bay, albeit one that can't quite boast the impact its fact-based story deserves. So that's 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Back to you, folks. I love that. I think it was it was Leach who said uh, uh, preternatural ability to evoke sensation. Yeah, that's what you want from Michael Bay. And look, I think part of my love of this movie is sort of a response to all the Transformers movies where I was like, where was this ability in trans in making me care about human beings in the Transformers franchise? Mm. You know, and like all the 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 really intense action scenes where I was feeling everything in here. I just kind of was like shoving popcorn in my face and just watching robots fight each other. They didn't really care about for most of the Transformers movies. So maybe that's it. But now it's time to get into movie talk. Brian, hit the music. we got a lot to discuss here. First and foremost, so I saw this in theaters. Jacqueline, you did not. Definitely did and not. And Candace, you did, I did not. not. But okay. I did rent it. This was um, this was definitely, I was in enough of a red state moment <laughs> that I did rent this. Yeah. Were you back in Texas when this came out? No, I was like coming and doing the back and forth. But this was a movie that honestly, I think it may have been the fact that people kept giving you crap about it on the Schmodown. <laughs> that I was like, I need to watch this. I, you want to come defend your boy? I that mean, means a lot I'm to me. I'm not even kidding you. I do think that was part of it. Mm -hmm. Like when I finally saw it, it was like maybe 2016 later, 2017 early. And it was because this is your, like, again, I, I cannot describe to you how many times I saw people bring this up in Schmodowns, in your comment section. Yeah. This was like. I think it was my cross to bear because I was like, hey, look, I, I think this is a great movie. And for what it does, it's like, you know, it's I'm not comparing it to Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I'm not I'm not doing that. You know, it's just like, oh, OK, this is here. That's there. And they're two very different yeah, things. Right. What this movie wanted to do, I thought it accomplished it in spades. Candace, I, I guess my question to you, because mm -hmm. I got a text from you when, when you were watching oh, it God. and yeah. it was all caps. This is so intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you saw it, now we kind of accept John Krasinski as an action star, right? right? Yeah. Because he's great in the Jack Ryan show, mm -hmm. and he's sort of gotten into that world with like a quiet place and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But back in 2016, he was still primarily known as Jim from the show The Office, mm -hmm. which everybody loves and rewatches ad nauseum. I read that he went from 25% body fat to 8% for yeah. this role. So this feels like the role where he transformed himself and sort of expanded his horizons. Mm -hmm. Did it feel like that to you watching the movie or because you're watching this 
in 2024 now for the first time, yeah. you already kind of expected Krasinski to just be that badass. I kind of already expected it. I want to say I love John Krasinski. He's one of my favorite actors because I love rom-coms. I love him. He's just so endearing. And I think mm-hmm. I love him and Emily Blunt, like, in real world so much. So I always root for him <laughs> in everything that he does. Um But I was never an Office fan. I never really watched it. I've seen episodes and things like that. So to me, I only have two versions of John Krasinski in my head. It's (laughs) rom-com, early 2000s, and action star that he is now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that this was his first, like, venture into the action world. So knowing that, watching it, I was, like, kind of looking for little bits where I was like, oh, does he know how to do this yet? Like, is he good? Like, watching from the future and looking back. I had to, like, watch his little nuances, but I thought he was fantastic. VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It was so weird seeing this movie in theaters, Jacqueline, because first of all, this was coming on the heels. It, it came out in January of 2016. So you still have Force Awakens is crushing into the mm-hmm. box office and you have some other like big Christmas time movies that were still making a lot of money, probably over 13 hours. But I'm sitting in the theater and the two big questions I had at the time were, OK, can I can we get back to 90s action movie Michael Bay? Can we get back to Bad Boys, mm-hmm. The Rock Michael Bay, producer yeah. of Con Air kind of stuff, as opposed to the Transformers stuff, which I was just so tired of. And it just felt like it, it, it meant nothing to me after mm-hmm. a while. So can we get that Michael Bay back? But I think arguably, Jacqueline, the bigger question was, can John Krasinski pull off an action star? Yeah. And yeah. this movie opens and he's on a plane flying in to this situation. And immediately, just the look on his face, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This... This ain't the, the, the cute schlub from The Office yeah, no. who's chased after Pam. This is a different dude. And then we're immediately into this weird situation on a very narrow street where we're being interrogated. These guys with guns are coming up to the car where mm-hmm. Krasinski and his buddy are. And when he just has the gun ready to go, oh. it's like, oh, my God, this is who is this guy? Yeah. Can, can I also say, too, I was rewatching some of Michael Bay's interviews about this particular movie, and it's so interesting watching it now where he was talking about casting John Krasinski. And he was literally like, I was talking to some of my um, colleagues. I can't remember who he was talking to specifically. Name dropped in there. But he was like, do not cast movie stars in this movie. You're telling a factual story. You want to do it justice. You want to find guys actually match the criteria of who these men really were. Find people that can do that. And you're not watching a movie star. And for me to hear that, and I'm like, but John Krasinski, to me, is a movie star. So in hindsight, that fact that that was his like breakthrough to make him into a quote unquote movie star is just really cool. Yeah. I look, this is where it's like, okay, I got to read between. This is where my like media literacy obsession is like, I read through the (laughs) bullshit. So like, first of all, Michael Bay wanted Mark Wahlberg originally, who was a bona fide movie star at that time. And I think it would have changed the movie. And it would have changed the movie, but that's where it's like, oh, I didn't get what I want, so now I'm going to pretend this is what I always wanted. Mm. Also, two kids, this is post-Chris Pratt doing Zero Dark Thirty and Moneyball, and they had Mm. already shown that if you take the schlubby actor from the comedy and you then give him a physical transportation uh, transformation, you get a lot of press around that. And so mm. it sort of became like a bit of a formula, a bit of that. I mean, more of the latest one was Kumail Nanjiani um, when he did The mm-hmm. Eternals. But oh, that has yeah. actually been a pretty standard little 
thing that these guys do. And it gets the movie a lot of press. You get these men health covers, just like Chris Pratt did. John Krasinski got it on this one. I think what's more interesting about John Krasinski in this is the role that he's playing is a very like stark divide. I mean, John Krasinski is a Boston thespian. Mm -hmm. Um, Him doing a role like this, I think, sort of marries maybe some of what maybe the folks back home would want him to be able to do. Because, like, The Office is a great show. I'm not trying to pretend that wasn't, like, an American. Oh, yeah, you guys see John's new movie? Yes. He finally got guns. He's <laughs> finally walking around, beating the know, crap out of people. That's what we like. And that is a real thing, and I think this movie sort of got into that. I am more interested in how desperately this movie, movies like American Sniper, they just, they wanted to get conservatives to not hate Hollywood. This was the last bastion <laughs> of them trying to make movies for the red meat state to say to them, this is for you, don't hate us. And eight years later, everyone is hoping that half of Hollywood is on a list. Well, I'm just saying. I think you would probably <laughs> find like, True. like Michael Bay and Clint Eastwood for American Sniper would be those yes. filmmakers that, not even down political lines, but just people who like, want just like a, a, a meat and potatoes action flick mm-hmm. yeah. would go to, you know, Clint Eastwood, obviously with his Western, you know, heritage and all that stuff. But Michael Bay too, like, again, this is a guy who makes the Transformers movies and they make billions, they used to make billions of dollars, right? Yeah. But before that, he was like the guy that you would tap in the 90s to the Bad Boys movies, The Rock. And it's like, this guy just knows how to tell such a cool story and have so much just ridiculous action in it. But it's like you, like you trying to do work Jacqueline, and then having this movie on in the background, it would probably be the same thing if you were trying to do some sort of other task yeah. while Bad Boys or while The Rock is on. And mm-hmm. like you just find yourself like, I am going to have to clean the house later because I got to see how I got to see if Stanley Goodspeed yeah. and Sean Connery get out of this thing a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's an engrossing movie. It's a movie that like pulls you in. There's a tension to this movie. I said like two hours of blowing shit up. That's actually not what happens. But it is a lot of tension leading up to mm-hmm. could this blow over? It feels like a pot. On the, on the bubble of a kettle for pretty much, I would say, three-fourths of this thing. Yes. And then it really kicks it into high gear. And that kind of tension over this long of a runtime to really keep that going, it is an accomplishment. I don't want to take anything away from it. But this this movie feels like such a, a movie back from a different time, like of what we would make at that time, mm-hmm. but also the types of movies that they would market at that time. And then, two, it was like— the way that they did it. Like, they wanted to get, like, uh, politicians to be quotes on the cover. Like, like the idea of that now is just bizarre to me. Imagine them sending a movie to Ted Cruz. I guess they did with things like Sound of Freedom, but, like, this is a studio movie. This is mm-hmm. not an independent movie. This is part of the, like, and again, you know, look at the, Look at the release date of this movie. January 2016, right yeah. before it, I'll oh. just say, uh, 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 everybody became much more aware of politics in this country <laughs> yes. uh, later on yeah. in that year. And so, you know, it, Candace, as, as you're watching this movie for the first time, mm-hmm. it's almost an unfair question to ask, like, what scene really stood out to you? Because so much of the movie is, it's just, we're, we're shooting at each other, there's explosions, there's mm-hmm. stuff going on. Can you pinpoint a scene where you're like, oh, that's why I feel like the audience got it right on their scale or why this movie is 51%, but it still accomplished something. Well, I mean, I think the action is probably where a lot of the audience score comes into play, but my favorite scenes were actually at the very end, right when they're all sitting on the roof and there's just like this palpable energy that they did such a great job of being like, something else is about to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I know there's 30 minutes left, so something's obviously (laughs) going to happen. But 
something is about to happen. There's an air of like, anytime someone turns around, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to get shot. Something's going to come out and whatnot. And it's the last moments um, that we get the gentleman just kind of reflecting on their family. The fact that he just found out that his wife is pregnant. Like that scene on the roof is really where I gave the bump in the score because I think that that's where the heart of everything is. I'm an army brat myself. My entire family is military. So I think when it comes to those types of things, um, that's where they really get me at the heartstrings is like, yes, at the end of the day, it is a, a big explosion movie and action and f- all of that. But you boil it down, there is humanity and there's loss on each end. And so for that and for them to just be sitting there and talking about it and that being the last moment that we get with this character too, it was just like, oh my God. Mm. Yeah, and and <sighs> even the, the moments that humanize these, the, these folks Rone. for me we're early in the movie where mm-hmm. we're just on, we're on the base. We're at either we're at the mm-hmm. embassy, we're at the annex and they're just kind of sitting around and just waiting for, for something to have anything mm-hmm. to happen. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, these guys, they're working out They're They're kind of going through their drills and stuff and then they're watching Anchorman or, or whatever's on. But yeah. it's like, we still, we know that there might be a situation, you know, and now you, you also find yourself going up against your sort of corporate overlords that mm-hmm. you would have in, in, in the military system yeah. where you have a chief who's like, you know, just, just stand down. And now there's no, there's real stuff happening. And just to see them clock the security breach possibilities at mm-hmm. this new location, when they're looking around the building, they're like, okay, well, you're, you're exposed here. You're exposed here. You know, and and a lot of the the Libyan forces on the ground were there to defend Americans, and and they did a heroic job doing that. Which this movie doesn't touch on, I think, enough. At and, all. and th- that mm-hmm. might be something that you know I, I would push back against a little bit with the filmmaker. Right. But if you're watching that, you really feel a sense of I care about these the, these folks as people, not mm-hmm. just as like them being badass, you know, macho military dudes, but you actually care about their lives. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that was something I didn't expect, Jacqueline, from a guy like Michael Bay, who had just for the last 15 years just been throwing robots and Mark Wahlberg drinking Bud Light in our face. I think it's interesting, too, because this is a post-Jack Bauer 24 world mm-hmm. as well. And I will say that I think that the, the sort of idea of these lone-type soldiers saving the day, you know, lone survivor, American sniper, Jack Bauer, they all sort of have this. This was a team of them sort of doing the same thing. A team so, of Jack Bauer. You know, a team of them. But that is actually the part that I have to be, like, I, that's the part where I'm like, there's no way that this is real. That's the part when I'm watching this. I'm like, yeah, these six guys. Because it also, we know what the actual loss of life was on the ground that day, and we mm-hmm. actually know that they did not secure the embassy and that there was actually, you know, um, it was completely completely overrun and that there were hundreds of, of sort of folks attacking it. The idea that these guys were the only line of defense is laughable. Like everyone would have died if that was the case, if they didn't have the Libyan soldiers right. and that sort of thing coming right. about it. So that's actually the part that I'm like, this has to be a video game. Like just call a master chief and I'll feel better about it <laughs> than if you actually try to say that this is real. And I will say post um, all of these things, because this is based on a book, 13 Hours, just like American Sniper, um, they've all been sort of like poked holes with as far as like the accuracy and the truth. And there's some things that will never be determined because somebody on the ground says this and somebody on the ground, Zero Dark Thirty is another one. Mm -hmm. Somebody on the ground says this, somebody else says that. But there's been enough evidence with a lot of these ones where it's like they knew they could sell a lot of media and a lot of books if they sort of made this idea happen. The one thing I'm more concerned about is the idea that I was a military person 
The idea that the military would give bad orders is nothing new. That is not something that is whatever. And that's one of the big discrepancies yeah. in this movie yeah. is if if you're looking at what the truth was, where you have the the, the soldiers who survived said like, no, we, we got the stand down order to not go. Yes. And we decided to anyway. The chief. Uh, who is based on a real-life person, yeah. said, mm-hmm. I never gave the stand-down order. So that That already... is definitely a discrepancy, but this is what's weird about that. I know about chain of command. Mm-hmm. That chief met him never gave him that order. That is absolutely true. But he could absolutely make known what his vo- wishes were without right. giving that order. And then somebody down the line sure. gives that order. I'm sorry, I've lived on enough military bases to know how that goes. Honestly, I've lived in corporate America long enough to know how that goes. But yeah, no, that is the part where I'm like, you got to read between the lines a little bit. It is the human story. It is the the act, the act that they sort of humanize these guys. The fact that, you know, look, guys that have families back home and they're not bad on the eyes, like all of these things sort of like play and tug with our heartstrings because at a certain point you're looking at which one of these guys is going to make it, right? You know? Yeah, you and and that's part of the thing. I mean, this was also around the time when I started uh, getting to do USO tours and like going to the mm, Middle East mm. and like just being on bases and stuff in various parts, some which are... Yeah. You know, you always feel very safe. They always do a great job making you feel like, you know, I'm not in the newscaster helicopter situation. <laughs> but y- yeah. you're over there and like, you know, y- you know that these guys and, and that you're relaxed, that you're out there, you're entertaining them at a comedy show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at any time something could could happen yeah. where it's like now that switch gets flipped. And so to see the way that I think Michael Bay is a guy that I trust intrinsically to show me what it's like when that switch gets flipped, where it's like we're just sitting around doing nothing. We're bored out of our mind. We're watching comedies that make us feel like we're home. And then, boom, yeah. here now now we got to go into battle. And it's like it just it's it's almost like you're so well trained that you're not even thinking consciously about it. It's now it's time to do the cool gun loading thing and make all the noise and just run into whatever firefight you have. I think mm-hmm. this movie does such an exceptional job of showing the bravery of people like that. Mm, so yeah. I'm willing to issue some of the, this may have happened that way. This one yeah. may have been for the portrayal of that. Cause I think that that's deserved. And yeah. Michael Bay said that that was his goal. He was making, like he wanted to make, Uh, The veterans who he said a lot of them worked on a lot of his movie sets and people in like the grip and sort of um, behind the scenes and below the line guys. He wanted to give them a movie. And I think that's what this movie does. Mm -hmm. He turns those guys into the Avengers, which is great. Um, (laughs) Does not makes it about as realistic. But I get like the earnestness of wanting to do that. Let's also remember every movie with um, American uh, military portrayed in any way is going to be somewhat positive just based on the fact that the U.S. military does that. And they, these sure. guys may be criticizing the apparatus of the U.S. military, but in the end, the guys are still heroes, which makes this a recruitment tool. Mm-hmm. You, so you mentioned you mentioned the Avengers, and one of the uh, you know benefits of being an Avenger is that you have your own very unique costume, and you can <laughs> tell who is who, and everybody looks yes. different. Uh, Candace, did you have trouble kind of differentiating? Because other than now the super famous John Krasinski, yeah. it's like these guys, like Pablo Schreiber, for instance, was uh-huh. in Den of Thieves and with, with, Gerard, with our boy, Gerard Butler. Oh, yeah. and, and he's great in it. And I loved watching that even more because I'd already seen 13 Hours. But like everybody else in this movie, it maybe by design just kind of blends in and feels interchangeable, even though they are based on real human beings with their own stories. Yeah. Can I just say, obviously, I hope whoever's listening, this is not a spoiler, but um, one of the gentlemen that does die, I had to literally check and I was like, which one died? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I hate saying that, but they all looked Mm -hmm. the exact same except for two of them. And that was it. I had three of them. I had Tonto. (laughs) I knew who he was. He was very identifiable. And he was like the, the comedic 
like relief in a lot of the movie. They all have that and same then, sort of like, like sense of humor where they're yes. going to be very sarcastic as they're like shooting people. Yeah. But Pablo, that, that's Tonto, yeah. who plays Tonto. He was like the funny one. He was the funny one where he was like, he, I, he would always come in with the one-liners at the yeah. end of mm-hmm. it all. And for a second, I thought he was the one that went down because they don't really show the face of who's fallen. And I was like, no, he just said that he was protected and now he's not. Um, yeah, they'll say something like, Jack, Bravo's down. And I'm like, wait, which, which one, one was, was Bravo? Bravo? Yeah. yeah. So um, those were the two that I could identify outside of that. I had no idea who was who. They didn't do a really good job of us, uh, like letting us know whose name was who either <laughs> identifiable. It's like this guy's redhead with this red beard. This guy's the brunette guy with this beard. We never really say their names. So I could identify who uh, David Denman was mm-hmm. because he was also in the office. He was also in the yeah. office. He was also yeah. in the office. And like, no offense, he also looks like the guy that was on his first movie set. Like, he was the uh, guy yeah. that did not look comfortable <laughs> compared to really? the other. Yeah, he did not look comfortable in any aspect of this portrayal. I could tell that, like, James Dale Badgley, Pablo Schreiber, and some of these James other Badge guys. Dale. Yeah, Major Badgley, yeah. He feels yeah. like a dude who just walked out of, like, a real boot camp and just oh, yeah. and, and decided to lend his talents to a movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other reason why I know Pablo Schreiber, because um, I follow his Instagram, which, ladies— um, you should. Oh, I'm um, go he's a fan right of now. surfing. He's oh, a fan he? of surfing. And thus you're a fan of his. And when he's done surfing, he often takes Instagrams. And I'm awesome. Everyone should check out Halo. It's gonna come back. Does on he pad. wash his oh, surfboard fantastic. on his abs? Is that how he washes himself? <laughs> oh I'm not kidding you. Like he gets out of the seawater and then he like Slow-mo? puts the puts the wetsuit halfway down. I'm putting way too much sorry. Will Mr. he be James Gunn's Aquaman? Um <laughs> he's a very good actor. He was also an American Gods. He's but, fantastic. Mm, yeah. But I will go ahead and say his his Instagram is also great. And then John Krasinski. So those three yeah. were identifiable to me. But no, I couldn't tell you who Oz was um, or Tig. Do we like Michael Bay? I still, one of the big failures of two years ago now was I still haven't seen Ambulance with uh, the Michael either. Bay directed oh, with Jake Gyllenhaal, who might be, you know, another guy where it's like you knew him as this incredible actor, sort of mm-hmm. Oscar contender. And he seems to now be able to transform more into whatever he wants. I mean, he's a right. he's a chameleon, but I could see him being like a Krasinski like badass if he so chose. Maybe that is him in Ambulance, and I just haven't investigated it yet. I really want to see Ambulance. I watched the trailer too. Okay. He, and, and he's getting, Joan Hall's going to be in Roadhouse. Yeah. He is the next guy. Yeah, he is. He's I mean, the he, next dude. But he already kind of did that with Jarhead. Yeah. He kind of did that with like some other movies. So he's been that guy, but they've always been so like hurt lockery. They've been like, yeah, he's going to play an action star. Well, actually, he did it with Prince of Persia. That's one he wants to let people forget. But, you know, <laughs> he did, did do that. See, I did see Prince of Persia and he was. I can't even say it was good because it's like so miscast, but it's like, it, yeah, he did the job on set and it was fine. But I feel like Roadhouse is going to be the movie that announces yes. like to the world that we have Jake like a Gyllenhaal. new guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we're talking about Krasinski making this transition. And Jacqueline, you made a great point where like in the 80s, when I was a little kid, you had like your Van Dams and Stallones who were just guys mm-hmm. who seemed like they were just carved out of granite from birth. Right. Yeah. And there were just these jacked action stars. And then after Die Hard, you started getting like a more normal dude, just like in whatever situation. You know, mm-hmm. you had like Bruce Willis just trying to get out of a building. Keanu Reeves just trying to stop a bus from exploding. And now you have like, let's take a schlubby actor. It's almost like an experiment that Hollywood likes to do. Let's take a guy who's known for comedy or known for just kind of being a little doughy, like a Chris Pratt, and yep. let's make them into Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Yep. And you're right. It, it's such a career 
not even change for them. It's just a career boom yes. for mm-hmm. them. Like, I remember seeing a video of John Krasinski and Chris Pratt together, and they were doing the Murph, which is... This thing, it was named for a guy, um, th- this legendary soldier who passed away, and that was his workout. Oh, yes. You do, oh, I, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. 100 sit-ups, uh, 100, 200, push-ups or something. 100 pull-ups, 200 sit-ups, and 300 push-ups or something like that, mm-hmm. then you like run a mile. Um, and it, it's I've done it. It's very, very hard. It's very, very... I, I did not feel as, as well as those guys looked in the video afterwards. Wow. But they were doing it together, so I'm just kind of watching these dudes like, oh, okay, this is... This is kind of the the crowning moment of their transition. Mm-hmm. And now they can be action stars. I think it's kind of cool that we do that, though. I think it's yeah. cool right? that we do that. I think what's interesting before is those guys were just assumed to have good bodies because there's definitely the, like, Chris Hemsworth in Star Trek is not the Chris Hemsworth of Thor, right? Mm-hmm. Liam Hemsworth in even the first Hunger Games is not the Liam Hemsworth towards the last Hunger Games. Right. So, like, it was just assumed that these, like, nice-ish body guys, not slubby, but, like, nice-ish body guys, Mm -hmm. they could, like, turn it up. It's now the, like, spectrum of, like, we will literally take an actor who looks like he never lifted anything um, and only eats donuts. And who is strictly known for for basically stand-up like Kumail Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Also, can I go ahead and say, and again, I'm friends with his wife who was also on the podcast, so I'm not saying anything— it's so weird, the backlash he got. The white boys get fit all the time, <laughs> yeah. never get any backlash. He decides to get fit, and they're literally like, who are you? Like, that's, like, really, like, in retrospect, like... Yeah. I never understood it. I just saw the, you know, before and after, and I was like, like dear God, I wanted to be like yes. Kamel's dad and order the socks of... Because Kamel's dad ordered, like, <laughs> socks made of yeah. his son yes. being jacked, and I'm like, I kind of want those socks, too, like... It's he it just looked it was my favorite thing about Eternals. Absolutely. And uh, like the idea that people would um be upset about that. Like I'm like what is going on? Like he got in shape. I think for you as a comedian too cuz like what hope do you have Mark if they're going to like rail against you for getting in shape? Well, that's the thing like you know again and now we're recording this in early January and it's just one of those new year's resolutions yeah. that everybody has and like I just have that thing I think a lot of other comics have where I go to the gym a lot but you're in there and every so often you're loading up the weight on, you're about to, to try to break your bench press record, your squat record. Yep. And you have that be- thought in the back of your head, like, what am I doing this for again? Yeah. Like, I have two sets tonight. I'm not, I'm not going to get drafted. I'm not, I'm not going in the NBA lottery. Like, what am I doing this Alzheimer's. for? You could be the next. <laughs> <laughs> Prevent Alzheimer's. That's literally my main reason for working out. I hate it. I hate every aspect oh, of see, it. Oh, see, I love working out. You do the okay. So your workout is like this intense boxing kind of thing that you like doing too. I right? do boxing, and then I also work out at uh, campaign training and do like heavy lifting and things like that. Now, do you too. really? I do. All right. So Jesus. I've got some. I've got some good numbers. Candace now. has kindly offered for me to take one of her boxing classes with her. Yes. And and I'm like, I I I need to like do another boxing class for like a month before I step up. Well, and listen, enter the cruise dojo. Uh, I will only say I only started doing boxing because majority of the time I go out for movies, they or any type of audition, it's they want me to be like the badass, the 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 bitch. Can I say bitch? I can cuss on this, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The bitch, the the whatever. And so I was like, I don't have anger in my life. I'm a very happy, positive person. And so I was like, I need to get more anger in my life. So that's why I chose these workouts, and now I'm just obsessed with them. So I feel very relatable to John Krasinski in this regard. There you go. I was the nerd, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna like try and be the superhero. I'm gonna see you in a movie. Let's I'm gonna do be it. there. Front row opening night. I'm gonna be like, oh, I can't wait to see Candace. She's so good in rom-coms, and she was so good see, in that, exactly. that coming-of-age movie always 
Please, Lola. We, I can't wait. To, oh, my God. Look at her. We share a birthday, too. So, I mean, John Krasinski and I were one in the same here. You share a birthday? Yes. That's cute. October 20th. Is, was this John Krasinski pre or post Emily Blunt? Did these abs get him this Emily Blunt? This was post because he talks about he had just had the first baby. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is first baby movie. I I do like that for A nice little women. thing for an actor yeah. to tap into as well, playing this role. Like, yeah. Exactly. I, have, I have something to live for back home. Mm-hmm. That is that is a yeah. good one. I also knew that's when he was going to survive. Also, I knew John Krasinski was going to survive because he was top billing. Yes. But um, when the minute I, that baby popped up, I was like, yeah, he's making it back because yeah. they need that like moment at the end. Uh, but I love that for those women. It's like, you loved me at my not this. <laughs> yes. Like Rob Thomas's wife, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. met him when he was like his heaviest. And then it's like when he gets skinny, it's like, yes, You're we like, still love job. you. Yes. Um, yeah, I definitely. Um, Are they our favorite celebrity couple right now, Krasinski and Emily Blunt? Or is there another celebrity couple? Another celeb- mm. I really do love Sterling K. Brown and his wife, Michelle. They are like the black Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, but Emily Blunt and John Krasinski are pretty far up there. Yeah. I was at the... Oh, God, here we go. So, after <laughs> Make sure the- you check out Jacqueline's awards podcast. Thank you, the awards tour <laughs> podcast. But I was at the Universal Party post-Oppenheimer after oh. the Golden Globes, and I got there early because, you know, I didn't go to the show because whatever. I didn't want to sit through that. But at the end of it, I'm there. And and John Krasinski's just there waiting for his wife. And I think that is just like kind of adorable. He's just like sitting there talking to um, Jack Quaid, who was also not in the room. I just kind of like that because that's not every Hollywood couple. Mm -hmm. Did you ask Krasinski Mm -hmm. about Pablo Schreiber? Did you say, hey, hey, can you connect me with this guy? I would ask John Krasinski about so many other things. I would ask him about how many times he's made, how many times he's watched The Devil's Wears Prada knowing that he has... Emily sitting like literally Emily. <laughs> <the> Stanley <laughs> Tucci is Emily, your brother-in-law. Right. You get both. You know, <laughs> but like, like literally, that is to me. I have so many like random people that I thirst over. He ran. He thirsted over her in that movie, and then he bagged her. Like that That's is a manifestation. Thing. Mm-hmm. I know. Speaking of twenty twenty four, manifestation here. I, I, there you go. You know, like celebrity couples. It's like make Ale- it happen. Alexia Holleran and Serena Williams. Like he knew he had no shot. Like he may be a billionaire now. He was not. He was just uh-uh. a nerdy little boy with a website going up to the greatest tennis player of all time. And being like, I'm a holler. And she was like, why? Okay. <laughs> I think overall, this is just a whole podcast about the nerds succeeding. <laughs> just the fight nerds. for the nerds and the ones that just come to the top. Yeah. Fight for the nerds and let the nerds get shredded if they so choose. One thousand percent. so choose. Because exactly. it doesn't get much nerdier than like a Krasinski or an Anjiani initially from yeah. where they came from. Yeah. And now they're shredded and we should all appreciate them for, you know, being inspirations. And I'm not saying I have their posters on every wall. In my uh, house, but just a couple, right? Just a couple, just yeah. to remind me Inspirational. what I'm training for. Yeah. And look, which you- I do get confused about sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer's, I'm telling you, that's the best reason to exercise. There's got to be more to why you're wa- You wake up at like six in the morning yeah. to go to these works out, uh, workouts. No, legitimately, Alzheimer's and... Endorphins, they make you happy. They, like, yeah, yeah a, little, a, little, a little bit feel of dopamine, afterwards. a little bit of dopamine, but weed is legal in California, so I've got plenty <laughs> on tap. Uh, I was just going <laughs> to... <laughs> this is great. Oh Brian, God. this is the kind of serious action movie podcast I was hoping for. Back to serious. Oh, I've been pushing for, for this movie on the show. Since we started the show. <laughs> and I was like, at some point, we got to talk 13 hours, right? And we're like, it, producing Lucy and Brian, they're like, yeah, well, we'll get there eventually. And Jack was just looking at me like, you poor thing. Yeah. You poor, poor thing. All right, no. yes, weed is legal in our state. I, I honestly kind of forgot what I was going to say. 
I just wanted to laugh at that. So close then I will put a button on this by saying the reason I work out, Mark likes his beers at the end of the night. So there if I'm go. just thinking a couple Coors Lights, that's what's going to get me through these squats. Um, we I do want to go to mailbags. We got a good question in here, Brian. So let's hit the music. You can email us anytime. Let us know what movies you want us to be covering, what you thought about the movies we did cover. What do you have to say about 13 hours and how it relates to weed being legal in California? <laughs> you can hit us up. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. You can be like Nicholas Bayfield, who's a Ketchup Crew member and a very fresh one at that. Nicholas writes, hi, Mark and Jacqueline. As you've already discussed, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in one of your earliest episodes, I think now might be the time to follow it up with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. At 70% on Rotten Tomatoes' tomato meter, it ranks lower than Crystal Skull's 77% certified fresh score, which is slightly disappointing. And despite a fresh change in the filmmaking team, I think Dial of Destiny is more on par with Crystal Skull than the original trilogy, particularly with the use of CGI and older Harrison Ford, and suspending your disbelief on particular scenes like the third act. Thanks for reading. Thank you for the suggestion, Nicholas. I kind of like that idea. I didn't really get a read on whether Nicholas liked the movie or not. So I know. I can't tell. We'll have tell. to get a little deeper into that. Um, Keeping I, it close to your chest, sir, Nicholas. Yeah. I'm a defender of this movie. So am I. I flippin' loved this movie. I was so upset, and I saw it with the worst audience ever. Again, this is where I hate You sound saying. like a Simpsons comic book guy. I know. Worst audience ever. I did, but I saw it at the Cannes Film Festival with all of these French people that were like, this is not a movie. Oh, this is just oh, come on, and CGI. France. And they, it started at a 40. It started at a 40 it when, was it, a when it debuted. It was but a I flipping loved this movie. I felt so bad that the reviews uh, early didn't reflect that. And I think that depressed his box office. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is amazing. I... I I, look, uh, The Last Crusade is what is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Sorry, purist, but I love it. So, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's my favorite indie as well. Yeah. You, are you an indie fan, uh, Candace? Not I know. Oh. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like Don't people are going to come from me. You're not nope. into I've, I've only seen one, and it's just the one that I... Uh, with Shia LaBeouf because I was somehow on the set for that. that so that's I, the only reason why I watched Anybody that listening or watching right now has instantly forgiven you because you're not talking about the beloved classic trilogy. That's like a... Yeah, no. In Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I can defend it to a point. Yeah. I would suggest the original trilogy because it's just fantastic. And it's, if nothing else, it's Apex Harrison. Yeah. Okay, so like, I'm going to put that on my list. Put and it on the list. You're <laughs> our action movie correspondent. So I mean, you now can I got to come back in. Dip your toe in the adventure waters. And if anybody has a problem with the third act of Dial of Destiny, need I remind you again, the third act of Last Crusade is the most insane thing I've ever seen there's in my a, life. There's an immortal soldier. He's 800 years old, Jacqueline. Just kicking it in the back. By like, himself. Are you serious? Ugh, come on. And all of those booby traps, None of them messed up in all of that amount of time. They still work. Mm-mm. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, Candace, thank yes. you so much for joining us today. Of course. It was a pleasure seeing you again, having you here. Um, thank you for checking out 13 <laughs> Hours, the very intense thrill ride that it was. Um, where can everybody like check out what you're doing, what you're working on? And always, Lola, where is like the hub? Where Where's the easiest way to find it, I guess? Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I love that we went from your Roman Empire and all of this <laughs> down to what we talked about. Um, so it was such a blast. But everyone can find me on all my social media at Candace R. Cruz across the board. Um, hopefully some exciting things down the pipeline in the new year in 2024. And then with Always Lola, you can find us on Apple and Amazon. That Lovely. is so cool to say, isn't it? It is. I'm sorry. I'm just like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's and it's We real. gotta get you on Voodoo. 
We got to yeah, get I you know. on Voodoo. Uh, yeah. And can, you are fantastic in it as well. Oh, I know it, it had a great festival run, and now everybody out there can uh, see Always Lola. So yeah. put the comma in there if you're searching for it, just in case. Always, yeah, always comma, comma Lola. Lola. So Lovely. there you go. Um, Jacqueline, where can folks check out the award show podcast? Yeah, the awards tour podcast you can find on Rotten Tomatoes in the awards tour hub. We have the podcast link. Also, you can go to our Rotten Tomatoes movie clips channel to see the video version. And anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple. Um, I don't know where the other places that people listen to this podcast at, um, but you can find it there as Wherever well. Wherever you put the candy in your ears, that's yeah. where you can find the awards tour podcast. The awards tour podcast. All and right. our last episode is with Sterling K. Brown. He talks a little DC about maybe not him playing a little character called Jon Stewart. Ooh, we get that going. Wow, okay. uh, we also have uh, our first episodes with Ludwig Goransson. There you go. Wow. Oppenheimer. All right. So check that out. See, they're doing big things. I'm just here anchoring this show as best I can, defending a great action movie like 13 Hours. My name is Mark Ellis at Mark Ellis Live. I have upcoming tour dates starting in early March. We got Vegas, Boston, Chicago, Houston, New York, uh, some other Portland, some other places. So uh, you can check that out at markellis.live. And uh, once again, email us. RT is wrong at rottentomatoes.com. Subscribe, rate, and review. All the stuff that Jacqueline was encouraging you to do for the Award Store podcast, you can start here and do it for, yep. here, for us as well. Um, in a couple weeks, Jacqueline, we got a brand new episode dropping. What are we talking about? We're talking about a movie that I feel is also unfairly maligned. This is going to be me a little bit to you because I felt like the canary in the coal mine talking about the greatness that is the Kingsman. And nobody else like the King's Man. The King's Man, not the Kingsman Circle with the the, third one. The third one with the very fine Harris Dickerson. I couldn't remember if it was actually a movie that got made or not. It is. (laughs) I didn't throw shade at it. I just I had never seen it before. I was in the dark, and maybe I've been shown the light. I, I do feel sometimes with these like comedy white boy action movies, they all get kind of lumped together. And this was one that should have been differentiated. Okay. It really okay. should have been. All right. So I, I think you just got Candace to tune in on that yeah. episode. She's uh, intrigued. Listen, I've already got a couple of things I need to listen to when I get in the car. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I want to hear Shirley K. Homework, Brown. young lady. I have movies to watch. <laughs> Come back and tell you all the feedback. She used to just be our Gerard Butler, uh, you know, re- representative. And now... Candace Cruz. We've moved on to John Krasinski. If we're kicking ass, it's Candace Cruz. Yes. Make it a tagline. Oh, I like Make that. it a tagline. That's line. our kicking bumper stick. You can get it at our merch store when we have one. <laughs> uh, for producer Brian, uh, for Candace, for Jacqueline, I am Ely Mark Ellis, the whole gang here at Rotten Tomatoes and RottenTomatoes.com. Thanks for tuning in to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and we will see you next time. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader